Welcome to Grow Your Influence, leadership conversations for business owners and managers. Whether you own a business and have a team, or leadership is part of your role, welcome, you're exactly where you need to be. Join co-hosts Juliet Robinson and Christy Lee Billet for their regular conversations on all things leadership. No corporate jargon, no textbook ideologies, just real life experience unpacked in a relaxed way to help you be your best boss and lead your team with confidence, clarity, and control. This is Grow Your Influence. Let's dive in. Christy Lee, hello. Hi, Juliet. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. And I am really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like it's topical. (laughs) Yes, I think so. And I think, um, well, certainly I see it come up a lot when Mm. I'm working with particularly uh, newer managers. We're talking today about emotional management, managing your responses to other people, your reactions to other people. Mm. Um, And I see it come up in a few different ways. I've been running some workshops recently where we've been talking about assertiveness and, mm-hmm. and our responses to conflict. And we've been talking a lot about self-awareness yeah. and how we can use that. And so often what people say is, I just go from zero to 100 <laughs> in a situation, in a yeah. conflict particularly. Mm-hmm. And I really want to know how to not do that. Yeah. And it's so hard, isn't it, in those situations where it's, um, it's kind of biological, the reaction that we have. It's not intentional. Mm. We don't sit there and think, I'm going to get really angry about this. No. But, but we do certain things will, you know, for all of us, trigger us or set us off and we can get angry or upset and our emotions take over how we are reacting or responding. And it'll be interesting to unpack the difference between those two things today as well. Mm. Um and it can be challenging because, like you said, in that moment, we want to not do that potentially, or we just know that it's going to not get the best outcome for us in that situation. But we find ourselves automatically just spiraling there. Yes, back there again, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I think what, what I hear from people so, when I talk about assertiveness, and we talk about the difference between being it's sort of the Goldilocks principle, you know, aggressive which is too much, passive, which is not enough, and assertive, which is, you know, the just right behaviour in terms of um, being heard and and being able to say what we need and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And what I hear from people is if somebody comes at them with aggression, they either meet it with aggression or they become very passive. Yes. Back right off and just go, Oof, okay, yes. don't want this. And if you've ever been in a meeting where you have seen that happen in front of your eyes, it is yes. so obvious. I was holding a meeting with a leadership team a few weeks back and one of the leadership team got particularly, I don't want to say aggressive, but certainly very direct. And mm. the other leader in the room at the same level almost shrunk into the floor and I could see it over wow. just this entire shrinking happen. And neither reaction was good in that scenario. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And I think the thing is too, you know, when we talk about role modelling as leaders, Mm. this idea of being able to stay calm Mm -hmm. and and be consistent in the way that we respond to people is so important. If people see us fly off the handle or, you know, 
react in ways rather than responding and yes let's get to the difference yes um but reacting then it's really hard for them to trust i think Mm -hmm. that we will be reasonable yes when we're dealing with things Mm. that's that's the really important distinction i think reacting is the in the moment gut reaction automated response almost if you like yeah where, and and reactions are often fueled by emotions there's no doubt where yeah. re- responding is the calmer approach and when i say calmer approach it's the more considered approach it's taking a moment to process what's happened mm. to process what you want the outcome to be and mm. then to communicate respond in a way that might be assertive might even be direct but is calm mm. and is not fueled by emotion and i think responding is about removing the emotion from the reaction. I think so too. And that only comes with self-awareness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think because unless we are conscious of how we react to things, yes. it's hard to choose our response. Yes. Yes, I that's so that- true. Yeah. And I think that self-awareness is for some people easier than others. And I've certainly worked with leaders who are extremely self-aware and others not so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And it is an area that I think everyone actually, and leaders in particular, should do some work and, and you know, you can do a million different assessments to help you uncover, um, mm. you know, your own personal tendencies in this space. Yeah. But just having that sort of reference point to say, I know that if this happens, my likely reaction will be X. Yes. And yes. what are some options I have in that moment to navigate out of that? Mm. It's it's so true. When I talk with people, when I because I use the team management profile a lot, mm-hmm. and we talk about how our preferences get heightened under pressure, mm-hmm. and how conflict obviously is one of those things that creates pressure. And the way we can move from sort of healthy responses mm-hmm. through conflict to unhealthy ones, it can happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. But being aware of it, knowing that, sometimes it can just be about buying yourself some time and I always talk to people about how you know if you're highly extroverted Mm. and because you do your thinking out loud in the heat of the moment you might say stuff you don't really mean yeah and if you feel like that's where you're heading just being able to say oh I've just realized I've got to do something can you give me a minute Mm -hmm. um giving yourself some breathing space yeah yeah and similarly if you see somebody on your team doing that just being able to say to them, oh, I don't think you really meant to say that. You know, do you want to find a different way to say it? Mm, that's so what to do, that, isn't it? Yes. Instead of just re- reacting to that, being clear that they're probably just thinking out loud mm. um, and processing their thoughts. So it's not going to be their final thought anyway. And this um, is why not only is self-awareness important, but also knowing your team really well. Uh, is mm. important because, and similarly to the assessments you use, often with teams I'm using DISC at the moment, which, yeah, you know, that's I, I love lots of other psychometrics better than DISC, but it works really well in, in teams because it's very easy to understand. Yeah, And some of the teams I work with, we do some work around different styles, different DISC styles, and how they are likely to communicate, how they're yes. likely to respond to different types of communication yep. so that they the team have that understanding. And, in fact, it's part of their onboarding that I run them through a disc and I share with them the, t- the profiles of the other team members in the team mm-hmm. and a matrix 
so that they can map across if they're ever having any issues with communicating with the other team members, that yeah. they know that as a high D, this person is a high I, this is how I need to communicate to get the best outcome, or this is why they're responding in this way when I communicate. So yeah. having that level of awareness amongst the team can be really, really valuable. It, it is still challenging to, in that moment when someone is speaking in that way or using those words to have that um, sort of sense of peace of mind to say that's not really what they meant, yeah. despite what they're yeah. saying. Um, yeah. So I think self-awareness is always really important to remove ourselves as leaders. But, yes, having that foundational understanding of how each other works can really help as well. I think so. I think so. And even, yes, I mean, and that, that's the thing, whatever, te- whatever tool you use with the team, I think taking it beyond the individual to to that talking about how does that work for the team, what does it mean for the team mm-hmm. is so important because if you have lots of people who are pretty conflict-averse, yeah. And are just going to withdraw from conflict and become quite passive. Talking mm. about that as a team is such a valuable thing. And similarly, if you know, you've got lots of people who are going to go at it like a bull at a gate. Yes, that's also going to be really difficult, isn't it? So, talk and and what does it mean for each of the people on the team about how they might engage with robust discussion, let alone conflict? Mm. Um, yeah. It's such a good conversation to have. So. Um, yeah, I think being really conscious of responding rather than reacting mm. is a, a key to this, is a key to being able to manage um, how you deal with it. Mm, absolutely. And just being able to then put in place, like you were suggesting earlier, strategies mm. when you know yourself in that in that way. And, in fact, I had this conversation with one of my coaching clients who had become quite upset about a situation in a team meeting and mm. I just gave her some ways to have removed herself from that meeting without feeling like she'd lost any ground with the team and without feeling like she'd been walked all over from the team as well. Right. Because, you know, I think as the leader, when we're in a particular scenario, we feel like we have to get the solution or the outcome or finalise things. And, And sometimes it's not the best time to do that because emotions are high or tensions are heated or whatever that is going on sometimes mm. it is best to actually stop and remove and, and reset mm. um, but it can be hard to do if you're not practiced at reading the situation and knowing that one person is about to get particularly vocal and you're going to see the other one shrink into their chair any moment now um, yeah so it's having that sort of awareness and those strategies that you can mm. know that it is okay to say actually I've got something else to do, like you said, or mm. I'm taking on board what you're saying. It's not what I think is the best approach, so I'm going to consider it and I'm going to, I'm going to go away and yep. think about it yep. um, so that everyone feels heard but you're not forced into a corner. I think that's, that's exactly right. Uh, and I also say to people, it's, it's fine. You are, if you're the leader, mm. you can actually control the conversation. That is your job in a way. Yeah. And even being able to say to people, look, I can see you're really upset about this or I can see you feel really strongly about it, mm-hmm. you know, let's just take five minutes and yeah. take a breath yeah. and come back to the conversation. Mm. So just giving everybody a little bit of breathing time. But And similarly, if you can see people becoming really passive, mm. being able to just sort of give them a little bit of time might also make you realise that they're perceiving you as quite aggressive. So it gives everybody some time to just go, oh, what's going on here? Yes. Yeah, and you're right. How do as I leader, want this to Yeah, mm. as the leader, we sometimes need to be the ones controlling that narrative. If, if the totally. emotion is coming from others in the room, 
it's different when the emotion is coming from us, of course, when we need to really yes. have that awareness to step back because yep. I think the, I don't think there's, a, I, I think people think there's problems with emotion at work. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think emotion can tell us a lot about what's happening for someone. Yeah, um, yeah. All sorts of emotions, Absolutely. of course. Um, yes. But emotion can really fuel situations that are hard to recover where mm. if we can remove the emotion from things, we get to deal with the facts, the exact scenario, the solutions, um, yeah. which can be hard to get to when there's a lot of emotion in the conversation. Absolutely. And I also say to people, if you leave the table, mm. you know, or the argument or whatever it is, either because you've become really passive and you just don't want to engage in something that feels uncomfortable or because you're so angry, you know, you've slammed out of the room or whatever, you lose your voice. Mm. So leaving the table is not what we want to do. We want to stay at the table mm. and have the conversation. You know, by table it can be, I don't, it yes. can be anything. The metaphorical table. If we yes. leave that, we we lose our voice in the conversation. And I think it's so important that as a leader we don't ever put ourselves in that position. But also we want to keep whoever we're trying to have this conversation with at the table with us. Mm. Yeah, and it can be challenging, especially I think dealing with heightened emotions is something that's not in the comfort zone of, I would say, most oh, leaders. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And I think, look, culturally, I think in Australia particularly, mm. we're not great at this. I think we avoid conflict Oh yeah, as much as we possibly can. And you know, I work with people from different cultures all the time, and they they do they just say, "Look, what's the problem?" You know, <laughs> in our culture, <laughs> you just say what's going on, and everyone just gets on with it. And it's not personal; it's just no. objective. It's about doing the best job. Yeah, I think that's an interesting um, mix on it as well. That culturally, we are we're huge conflict avoiders. Um, but yeah. also I think the tendency to take things personally, I wonder whether that's also cultural because yes. I think surely we're not the only, you know, culture that takes things personally, but I, I, I certainly think other places are better at being able to have honest discussions without it becoming a personal attack. And that's a really interesting one. Um, and I think that's about trust mm. because unless you trust that the people on your team are all there for the best possible outcome mm. and you trust that whatever conversations you're having are about that, they're not about personal stuff, Yeah, then it is hard to not take things personally, mm. I think. So you've really, as a leader, we've got to build that trust with our team so that everybody knows that actually we do want some robust conversations, mm. but they're about the good of the outcome we're trying to achieve as a team and about doing the best job and, you know, challenging things for the right reasons, but they're never about personal attacks. Mm. I wonder too whether this ties back into uh, culturally our need to be liked and as mm. leaders, if we need to be liked, then we're prioritising that over being respected by our teams and it's the respect that builds the trust and builds the ability yes. to have robust conversations that are in the best interest of the business. And really we want our team to respect us, not like us. I mean, if it's both, even better, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. if a team only likes us, it's going to be really hard to have those conversations and every decision is then becoming a popularity contest. So um, mm. I wonder whether, so you know, from a social perspective, we're so interested in being liked 
um, that we're failing to worry about the respect and the trust piece, which is actually more important. Mm. Do you see that happen a lot? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I think largely because I work with small businesses, small than big businesses, so it is to yep. them more personal. Um, and also I think a little bit culturally as well, a lot of people tie their social lives into their work circles. Oh, yes. And that I think that's what other cultures do better is they have a lot more separation there. So, of course, then work becomes about, um, I don't want to lose this friend or I'm not going to have this conversation because um, it's going to have this flow-on or this knock-on effect rather than let's just sort it out and get it done because it's what's in the best interest of the business. Mm. Yes. And, and, look, I think it's that is much harder in small business. In fact, I've been working with a number of people recently who have been promoted and end up managing people who they have before been mm. peers and friends with. Yes. And that adds that degree of complexity to that as well. That is one of the hardest transitions to make into leadership, I think, managing mm. your previous team that you were a part of. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's a digression. Think, that we could do a whole other no, episode but, on that. And it is interesting. I, years ago when I was running my first business and I had a number of staff who were young mm. and it was fascinating because I noticed there was a frostiness developing in the office and, and everybody had got along well up until this point. And I sat down with them and we talked about it. And, I mean, I was only in my 30s at this point, mm. my early 30s, perhaps late 20s, I'm not sure. Anyway, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. And so they were all in their early 20s. And what transpired was that they thought they all had to be good friends. And yeah. if they weren't good friends, it was all a bit of a disaster um, because then they weren't all going out together on a Friday night drinking. And, and we had to actually have the conversation about, look, you've got to work together and you've got to respect one another for the skills you bring, but you're allowed to have your own life. You know, you don't have to be best friends at work. And, in fact, it would be better if all your best friends were not part of your work. Yes, exactly. And I think friends outside of work. Yeah. And I wonder whether that is just, particularly as you're younger in the workforce, it's kind of force of habit because you friend become friends with the people you go to school with you spend all your time at school then you might go to uni and be friends with people you're at uni with and then it just translates into work but you 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 don't even need to really like the people you work with you've got to respect them and you've got to work together um, Mm. but you don't need to be best friends with them and I think that that complicates things for sure yeah and I think as leaders we need to manage that Um, you know and I think that's where you know if you see cliques developing for instance Mm. That that is often really unhealthy, yes. Um, and and I see problems arise there because often that is about sort of seeking a sense of belonging with others mm. um, that excludes other people. So managing those sorts of things, and I think that's something we can talk about in a different episode. But um, uh, yes, I, I think you're, you're right. I think culturally, probably we're really not great at this, and we're certainly not great at having conversations that remain objective where we're able to have a difficult conversation and keep the emotion out of it Mm. and I do wonder as well and again this is cultural because we are such conflict avoiders we don't deal with things when we should and Mm. let boundaries get exposed and overridden and then what we find ourselves doing because we haven't responded in the first instance or the second or third instance is we're responding reacting usually by this point once yeah. the boundary has been pushed so far out out in the yonder that yeah. 
we're, we're so frustrated by this point in time. And then we sort of explode or burst with frustration. And it's actually because we just haven't dealt with the issue. And so the issue has become much bigger than it needed to be. And we've got this buildup of anger and tension and frustration because we haven't actually dealt with it when we should have because we've been confrontation avoiders. Yes, but it's only been building up in our head. Oh, of course, so yes. It's not building up for the other person. And I think that's the real challenge, isn't it? Yes, because they, they see, see it as an overreaction. Mm. Yes. And, and they're sort of like, well, but I've been doing it the same way for six months and you yes. haven't said anything. Yes. Whereas we feel like we've spent the last six months putting up with something or tolerating something mm-hmm. and desperately hoping they would change mm-hmm. without us actually communicating that in any way. Um, yeah, so in our mind it's become a big deal. In their mind it's probably not. And I think that happens a lot, absolutely. I see that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And people talk about that, you know, about how they do put things off. I, I often talk to people about when to have conversations, you know, difficult conversations. Mm. And I always say not at 4 o'clock on a Friday because <laughs> so often what I hear is something happened on Monday or Tuesday and we say, oh, I'll, I'll talk to them this afternoon. Oh, it's a bit busy. I'll talk to them tomorrow morning. Oh, I've got a lot on. I'll talk to them this afternoon. We get to 4 o'clock on Friday and we think, oh, my God, I better have this conversation. Mm. And, look, they're going to go away for two days so I don't have to see them. Yes. And so we ha- and by that time, the issue that they might not even be conscious that anything happened, or if if it did and they were conscious of it, this time has passed, so it can't be that bad. Yes, yeah. But exactly. in our mind, it's just getting bigger and hairier mm. as it goes and, along. And then, like you have the conversation, and and they're upset and angry because it's four o'clock on a Friday, and you've decided to have this conversation, and they go home and spend the weekend thinking about whether they really still want to work with you stewing on it absolutely yes mm. so timing is is definitely important it yes. I, it's really interesting this piece of how the emotions fit into our reactions and how we need to remove it because it 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 sort of lays over so many different areas of communicating with our teams it's not just about having a difficult conversation or about reacting to something it's about how and when we have the conversations and yeah. um there's a whole lot that feeds into it it's a really quite a, a complicated web isn't it it totally is. And I think I think it's also tied up with role modelling, mm. you know, because we need to role model that emotional control for our team members to know yeah. what's okay and what's not. Yeah. Because if we get all shouty, we're just giving them permission to get shouty, aren't we? Exactly right. And I remember a few years back I was working with a team and I was quite removed from the team from the main team. I worked with the leadership team and they asked me to help form up a uh warning for an employee who had yelled and sworn at the director in the warehouse and you know they explained how terrible it was of course no problems let's drop the warning we'll get get him in we'll have a chat to him what do you think he said to me I was just responding the exact way he was speaking to me yes yeah and I turned to the director and he said well it's my business he said I don't think that makes it okay oh wow and it's um, my business so I can be shouting yes yes but he was role modeling and then of course the employees reflected the exact same behavior back at him yeah. And he couldn't see that that would be the case. And I was yeah. slightly dumbfounded. Um, so absolutely, if we're going to be emotive and emotional and, you know, prone to outbursts, we are training our team to do the same. Totally. And we are giving them permission to do it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can't be one rule for us and another rule for them. It has to be consistent. Yeah. And I think so this is the thing. If, if we can develop our self-awareness, mm. then we can manage our emotions 
and we can respond rather than react. And once we have self-awareness, it's so much easier to be conscious of of what's going on for other people. Yes, and to help them build that that as well. Piece first. Yes. Yeah. And then we can help our people. And part of that help is definitely role modeling Mm. ways that we respond to these things. Exactly. And it takes practice. Mm. Like we won't get it right all the time in the beginning. And I think just be a little bit kind to yourself in that sense. It is okay to get upset and to get angry, but try and do it behind closed doors and not in front of your people. (laughs) Yes. I've done that a few times. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, and buying yourself time if you need to do that so that you don't explode in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but keeping it really objective. And the other thing I talk to people about is use questions. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you need a little bit of breathing space mm. because you're about to just fly off the handle or whatever, mm. asking questions is an incredibly valuable tool to help you keep control of the conversation. And, in fact, we should do a whole episode on questions because I think questions are really important and we don't use them enough we often go straight to solution instead of asking questions Mm. but using questions just to say look can you just tell me what's going on here it buys you a little bit of space to just breathe Mm. and to get yourself under control Mm. whilst this other person is telling you their view of things which will often be different from ours Mm. absolutely and and being okay to leave some blank space in that conversation you know because I think the tendency is as soon as there's a pause or a silence Mm. you feel the need to fill it as the leader Mm. but that's Mm -hmm. exactly when especially if you've just asked a question your employee is thinking let them think give them some space it also gives you the breathing space at the same time yeah yeah absolutely And, and I always think if you're if you're going to have a conversation that's really difficult because you've become upset about something mm thinking about whether you can reframe any of that is really useful because I think in our heads the situation can be built up because we're just seeing it in one particular way. And if we can reframe and think about are there is there something else going on here? Because mm. so often I think when we say to somebody, you know, well, here's the thing, they say, well, yes, yeah, sort of, but except it's this as well mm. or it's that or, you know, so we may not be entirely across the situation. So reframing that but also reframing the way we think about the person because I always say to people if you go into a difficult meeting with um in your mind thinking this person drives me nuts or they're really frustrating or I'm so cross with them it's written all over our body language and our face whether we like it or not yes and I think trying to reframe that before we go into the conversation is really valuable for our emotional response for our emotional response to them because if we can just reframe it, even if it's this person drives me nuts, but they're so valuable on the team or they have this incredible skill mm. that we really need, mm. you know, um, then we change the way we meet with them yeah. in terms of our body language and things. And they will pick up on those signals because if we barge into a meeting, as you say, if you've left it for ages, yeah, by the time you do it, Often there's frustration just written all over every gesture yes. we have. And, yes. You know, so if we can try and reframe that before the conversation, it really helps our emotional response to them, but also it will change the way they respond to us. Exactly, exactly, mm. because people don't like to be backed against a wall, you know, metaphorically. So if they sense yeah. that that's what's about to happen, they're defensive yeah. coming into it. So um, our body language helps to keep them calm before yeah. the conversation even begins, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
<laughs> I feel like we've just unpacked what could be another five episodes of things I we need to too. talk about. Yes. So um, so that's good news. Yes. Um, but look, I think that's a really important conversation to have. And I think we'll do some more conversations on this topic. Yeah. Um, but respond rather than react, build your self-awareness yeah. and, you know, remember that your team are watching. So really importantly, role model calm behaviour. Absolutely. Mm. Great, Christy Lee. Love talking with you. Fantastic. All right, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Juliet. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating, comment and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to recommend us to a friend. We also love hearing suggestions for topics or guest speakers that you would love to hear from. The best way to reach us to give us those suggestions is over on our Facebook page. Simply head to Facebook and search Grow Your Influence. See you there.